Hey, hey, do you find that dating and relationships in midlife is more strife than sensational? Do you find yourself always attracting the same types, feeling enmeshed in relationships and you get lost? You don't know who you are. Do you feel insecure, needy, questioning your every move? Do you find it difficult to ask for what you want? And conflict is, nah, that's a big no-no. If any of these you're nodding your head to, then stick around because your past has got something to do with how you're showing up in dating and relationships right now. Hey, my name is Star Monroe, a psychotherapist turned your midlife dating bestie. And this is the Star Monroe Show. And each week I talk about all things reinvention, relationships, dating and sex in midlife. So let's unpack this chunky topic together and dive all the way in. I will use me as an, as, as an example as I go through this because I have many examples of my dating and relationship mistakes over the years. And our job, your job, my job is to learn from our mistakes, to get really savvy with who we are, our past, because our past informs the present and therefore informs the future. And for us to have a really deep connection with who we are, because that is, it's one of my top three concepts in the dating and relationship world in midlife. The most important relationship you are ever, ever going to have is the one with yourself. And you've got to know who you are, what you want and where, and vaguely where you're going. Always say it's good to have a North Star. So let's cycle all the way back into childhood. And between the years of zero to seven, these are our formative years. And this is when we're really learning and absorbing everything from our caregivers or our parents. And our parents slash caregivers, I'm just going to call them parents for now. Um, they're the ones that first teach us how to get our sense of love and our sense of belonging. And that is a human, basic human need. We all want to find and have a sense of belonging. So if you've watched my or listened to previous episodes of my podcast or my um, watched it on my YouTube channel, you would have heard me say that from a very early age, I was taught being myself was not acceptable. So I was a very precocious child. I was wild. I didn't like anyone telling me what to do. I still don't now at 52. Um, I would have these wild tantrums, huge energy, and my mum literally did not know what to do with me. And so I was taught very early on that that was not acceptable. I was a bad girl. And in my household, you had to be a good girl to get your sense of love and your sense of belonging. So from a very early age, I had to hide all those parts away from me. I didn't do a very good job. They kind of kept coming out at various times and then create a pseudo mask or identity over that where 
I acted in a certain way, I would speak in a certain way, I would make choices to align myself with this mask identity that would enable my mom and my dad to say, oh my God, you're such a good girl, we love you so much. And from that point onwards, I knew if I acted like this, that's how I would get my love and belonging. And I know I keep saying the same thing over and over again, and yet it's really important for you to excavate into your past. You don't have to relive anything. It's I would invite you to get really curious about how you were brought up, um, how you were taught by your parents that you were lovable and what you had to do and who you had to be to feel like you fitted in with that family unit. Now, what we do, uh, because we pick this up from the ages of zero to seven, is we take this on through the next seven years because everything works in seven year cycles. I really like that. If you want to dig in a little bit deeper about that, uh, Steiner, S-T-E-I-N-E-R, he talks about it, um, about the seven year cycles. And a guy called Tom Mott, M-O-T-T-E, he has a really good article and I will put the link in the show notes so you can go and have a look at that. Um, so we take this into uh, next seven years and the next seven years and the next seven years. And what we do is we take it into the dating world. We will take it into relationships until a point will come where we realize, and this is, you know, this is perfect. My wisdom is perfect for the woman, the man who is recognizing, shit, I keep making the same mistakes. I keep choosing the same people. Why is that? You've got to get curious about how you are showing up in life, especially if things are not working out well with you. So it will come to a point where you realize this doesn't work for me anymore. Fuck, what is it? Now, if you're anything like me, then you will probably have, because we all have core wounding, <laughs> which goes along with our childhood, that tells us there's something wrong with us that, I mean, mine was for many years, I'm not enough as I am. There's something wrong with me. So for years and years and years, I believed I was broken. You're not broken. I'm not broken. We're wounded. There is a massive difference. Please, if you do nothing else from this episode, stop saying you're broken and start saying, oh, I'm wounded. And I'm going to say a little bit about our inner wounds. They never go away. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see me actually doing this. But what I'm doing is I'm making a circle between my hands. And that's my core wounding. And initially, what I did out into the world is I built a world uh, or a life around that core wounding uh, that was re me living out in these fake identities and masks. So some of my fake identities and masks was that I always went through the world as a good girl. And then I had, I was only a good girl to a point, And then I became this really rebellious teenager. And then also in that, I was this highly independent woman. The independent woman is the good girl's sister. And neither of them are really good. They're good to tap into every now and then, but not for you to, for them to run the show. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Oh, I had the caregiver as well. So 
I had all these sort of weird blends of masks and identities who I thought I was. And they covered up my core wounding until I got, I think it was around my 40s when I just realized, I was like, fuck, Star, you keep making the same mistakes and you need to sort your shit out because you're probably over halfway or nearly halfway through your life. And if you don't sort your shit out, the next half, the last half of your life is going to be really fucking messy because you're older as well. So it's going to be harder for you to manage things. So that's when I started to unravel myself. And if you've been listening to me for a while, I have a methodology called the Star Monroe Method. And there's three stages. I really wish they were linear, but they're not linear. They're not linear. They're all over the place. We've been taught. You've been taught everything you do. You do A, you get B, you do B, you get C. Life isn't like that. Life is messy. You're messy. I'm messy. My three stages that we will dip in and out of is the disruption and agitation of your inherent conditioning. And as you disrupt and agitate your inherent conditioning, what you're going to do is you're going to come into this, whoa, there's a lot of wounds there. I haven't really touched those. I've been running away from myself. They're really sore. They're really raw. I don't know what to do with them. So a lot of them I'm going to talk a little bit more about childhood wounding is about reparenting our inner child your job as a midlife adult <laughs> and this is the thing we're adults we are asked to step into maturity in my world you're asked to step into the place of a high value queen if you're a woman high value king if you're a man um and this is where you get to be the parent to your inner child and your younger versions of you that you never had when you were younger. That is your job. That's my job. Our job is to reparent the parts of our psyche that have been left to think that there's something wrong with us. They've been neglected. They've been told they're not good enough. They've been told they're not acceptable. You're unlovable if you're like this. And your job and my job is to really reparent them, give them so much love, compassion, kindness, that they finally settle down and trust that this is a good home to, for them to live in so they don't keep running amok and where they're going to run amok is in the dating and relationship world and I'll talk a little bit more about that as well so the second part of my methodology is the healing and predominantly I talk about reparenting it's inner child healing you're reparenting your in wounded in a child so they no longer lead the show when you're out there in the world especially through dating relationships and intimacy and some ways that you'll see that if your inner child is leading the way um <laughs> let's use me as an example for this one um my second marriage um i was uh, I know I only got to two stages of my methodology. I'm going to come back to the third one in a minute. But when I completed a psychotherapy school, I was like, I was tired. I was exhausted. I'd gone bankrupt. Um, I'd had another breakdown. I think it was my third breakdown. I'd finished an eight-year codependent relationship, which I you know, was so enmeshed in and so addicted to, says the past addict. So I just found another way to channel my addictions. 
And I remember finishing psychotherapy school going, I know who I am. And yet looking back now, that was over seven years ago, what I had done is I had agitated and disrupted my inherent conditioning. I'd peeled away the masks from who I really am because you have a true essence. I have a true essence. That true essence is always coming out. You will feel it. You will hear it. It will come at you. It will tap, tap, tap you at night. It will not go away, especially if you're on this personal growth journey and you will feel compelled to be on this journey, whether you like it or not. I just kind of felt when I finished psychotherapy school, I'm ready to date now. And I was here and I was in Turkey and I said to my girlfriend, I'm ready to date. And uh, my next husband came into my world and I entered into that relationship exhausted, tired. I was fed up making decisions. I wanted the man to make decisions. I wanted him to, him to take control. I wanted him to pay for everything. I wanted financial security because I didn't have any financial security. I was living on the bread line at the time. I wanted to be taken care of. And at the beginning of that relationship, I was because it's the honeymoon period. I'll talk about the honeymoon period another time. But the honeymoon period is a time to enjoy because all our uh, chemicals and hormones are racing around our bodies. And it's a real time for us to feel connected. Our heart is open. And we show up as the best versions of ourselves in the honeymoon period. So, my, of course, my future husband um, was saying, yeah, I give you this and I give you this. And he did for a while. And when I look back, and we didn't last forever, it lasted for about six months till we got married and then it all started to disintegrate. When I look back, I was, I came into that relationship dating from my inner child. My inner child wanted to be rescued. My inner child wanted to be saved. My inner child wanted someone to do everything for her. And it was a really hard lesson. I love how the universe gives me such tough lessons to learn my wisdom. Um, but it was this really tough lesson that no one is here to save you. And here's the kicker. If they give you anything, if you don't have it within yourself and someone gives it to you, they can take it away. They can take it away. And then also what is useful for you to know about me is that I... I'm a mix of anxious and avoidant attachment styles. If you haven't looked at attachment styles, I'm just going to make some notes here on my bit of paper because I want to make sure I give you the right links. But I would go and have a look at attachment styles. Don't get too hooked on them because here's the deal with uh, labels is people really start to identify with a label and then that becomes a, another identity and you're bigger than this. It's information. I always think look at attachment styles, find out who you are. So for me, as my husband gave me everything and then took everything away, I started to feel really insecure, really needy, very clingy. And then all my old stuff, lots and lots of deep stuff around being insecure as a teenager, insecure as a young girl because I was bullied severely. No one liked me when I was at school. I was a real loner. That all came up to be healed. And it is my job. It's your job to reparent these parts of us. Otherwise, they and it's subconscious as well. You don't even know it's happening until you're in another shitty relationship. They will lead the show in your relationship arena. And your job and my job is to date from our high value queen as a woman, high value 
king as a man, nearly forgot them, who knows who they are, who knows what they want, who knows their North Star, who knows their non-negotiables. Now, if you're sitting there going, oh my God, I don't know anything, I don't know any of this, then please check out my mini program. It's called Dating Detox. It's just $99 and it has 10 in-depth lessons that takes you through a process to get you ready to date. That was my little sponsorship there. <laughs> Let's go back to my methodology because I said the first one was agitate and disrupt your inherent conditioning. The second one was the healing work. And oh, I fully believe I'm always going to be on this healing journey. And something is you think you're finished and then something else comes around the corner and you're like, oh, my God, something else is going to happen. So it's even more reason that you've got to learn how to manage yourself. You really have got to learn how to manage yourself, which slides me into the third part of my methodology, which is the reemergence of the woman you've always wanted to be. And you need to have the courage, the boldness, you need to have the intelligence to be able to manage yourself as you put yourself out there in different scenarios, if you, as you go out to ask for more in the world, as you go out to claim more. I was talking about this with one of my groups the other day. I run a course called The Love Affair, which is all about you dating yourself. And I was saying, stop saying I deserve this because that really is childish language. Stop saying I deserve, you deserve. Say I command, I command this into my world. And if that's a little bit shaky inside, you're like, whoa, I can command. You are a high value queen. You're a high value queen who knows who she is. This is where, this is, you've always got to have your North Star. So I quite like that you have your high value queen as your North Star. Let me just take a sip of my wine and I'll be back with you. Mm. Okay, it's not seven o'clock in the morning. It's seven o'clock in the evening over here. So the thing that you've really got to identify and get curious about is your past. How did I grow up? How did I find my sense of love and belonging? And then how has that affected me in all my relationships? Now, if you're in midlife, I'm going to guess that you've had more than one relationship. You've encountered more than a couple of people. And your job is to go back and do a little bit of excavation work and start to figure out what happens to you in relationship? Not so much in the honeymoon period, because as I said, that is when your hormones are racing around. That is when your heart is wide open and you're literally on crack. You're on the love crack cocaine hormones and you don't, you see the best of each other. You are showing up as the best of each other. I'm more interested in what happens, and this is what you want to see, is what happens when those love crack hormones disappear and you really start, and this is what starts to happen, is people start to feel safer being themselves in relationship. You're going to start to notice what happens with you there. So I'm going to go back through these. If you're always attracting the same type, and I would say in that is that 
Could it be that you're attracting unemotionally available people? Now, I was brought up by two unemotionally available parents. They had no idea. They still don't know, bless them. They still have no idea how to express their emotions, how to really share their honest feelings. And both of them will still say, oh, I'm all right. I'm just going to get on with it. The thing is, I learned that was normal. So I kept attracting unemotionally available people. The thing is as well, what you've got to start to understand is as you will attract, (laughs) whether you're not, you'll like it until you bring the unseen to the scene, you're going to attract similar ways that you got your love and belonging when you was a child, you're going to keep attracting it in adulthood. And Here's the thing as well, because I was brought up in this kind of argumentative household where people were throwing plates around and arguing and shouting. For me, that is normal. Although as I'm getting older, I'm like, actually, that doesn't really work for me. I don't particularly want to be in a shouty, argumentative relationship. I want to be able to talk about what's going on without raising our voices and losing our shit with each other. But the thing is as well, is if you learnt to get your love and sense of belonging in a chaotic household, you're going to be attracted to chaotic people and think it's normal because in that chaos, again, is all these chemicals and hormones that get, start getting pinging around. And you're like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And your subconscious is like, this feels like home. And here's the kicker. It does feel like home. But if home wasn't safe, listen to these words. If home wasn't safe, secure, and stable, then fuck, eyes wide open and start to notice that. Because if you want better relationships, I've said it right at the beginning, you need to create a deeper relationship with yourself and you need to look for better relationships. Stop looking for all the drama and the chaos. Yes, it's exciting. I get it. I spent I spent all my 30s bouncing from one disastrous relationship to another, to another, to another. And it was filled with drama, filled with chaos. And there was a part of me that was really lapping it up because guess what? In all that drama and chaos, my inner child was getting attention. She was getting attention in really funky, weird ways by men hitting me or shouting at me, being abusive to me, and then ignoring me and then coming back and love bombing me. My inner child, because she was starved of love when she was younger, she literally would, it doesn't matter as long as you're giving me attention, that's how I'm going to equate love. That's why it's so important for you to learn, to learn more about your past and to please... (laughs) I've already given you one little task from this um, this episode, but please learn to reparent those inner parts of you, especially those wounded inner parts of, the, of you. No part of you deserves anything less than stability, security, and safety. Yet, 
here's the thing if you come from a chaotic background if you've got your love and your sense of belonging and weird and wonky places you're gonna find safety security stability really fucking boring you'll be like what the fuck is this person oh my god they're so boring they're so normal yet this is what we're looking for if you're looking for healthy conscious love you and I have got to stop looking for the hot guy. Um, it's really important as well. We're no longer 20. Stop dating like you're 20. Stop going for the hot guys because the hot guys, especially if you have a wounded part of you that is insecure, that doesn't feel like she has some issue around her looks, her body, you go out with a hot guy, it's going to be great to begin with. And then I guarantee you, you will subconsciously put them on a pedestal and you will start to believe that they're more important, they're better than you. And then that will drive into all your insecurities. You will question yourself. You will get anxious. You may have panic attacks. And the thing is, again, this is, it's another mirror for you to do the work. So, I would suggest, and I know I'm coming from a really mature outlook when I look at dating and relationships, and I'm always the North Star in dating and relationships for me as I'm guiding and teaching you is for you to have more healthy, conscious, awake love. My guide, my aim for you is for you to become your most awake conscious healthy version of you that's what the world needs the world needs you conscious awake it really does so the thing is so i said you're always attracting the same type so then that's a real like little flag for you red flag so you've got to look at that if you feel insecure and you self-doubt yourself in relationship and this is what well, this is what i was like in every single relationship all the way back to so I was 16 up until my last relationship, I still find myself getting insecure and anxious, but I can manage it better now. And I know it's because I had this anxious attachment style. And also I find it, <laughs> one of my things is, and I said it before, is my inner child was so starved of love that when I go into relationship, I go all in if someone just says something nice to me. I'm just like, oh my God, this is amazing. So for me, I have to slow my roll down. I have to slow my roll down. I'm giving you some sneaky tips here as well on how to handle yourself. And when I date, I date in, I don't date all the time. I date in chunks. And then I stop dating and I come back into my world and I learn uh, I process what I've learned from that dating experience. But the thing is, I know I can get really enmeshed really quickly, especially if someone is being nice to me, because I'm not used to people being nice to me. But the more, here's the kicker, the more I'm nice to me, the more I do not abandon myself, the more I stay with myself, the deeper relationship I cultivate, I'm like, oh, now I've got a benchmark for how people can treat me and to uh, treat me and also what's right and what's wrong as well. But 
I personally, this is why I said right at the beginning about this wounding. I don't think I know the wounding never goes away. I don't know why I was saying I don't think, I'm not sure. But the wounding, your wounding, my wounding never goes away. The wounding's always there. I just get to build a healthier, more conscious life around it after I've broken away all the masks. Yet, I know that I have to take extra special care of myself as I go into any relationship. And if someone, if I start to get enmeshed, it's my responsibility to come back into my world. So it's like there's little tips here that I do all the time because it really is easy for me to lose myself in new relationships. One, because of all the chemicals and the hormones. The other is because someone is treating me nice and giving me attention and my inner child just goes kind of crazy. So for me, the way that I'm learning to manage this in the dating and relationship world is for me to keep coming back into my world and to recalibrate, to lick my wounds, to contemplate, to have space around it so I'm not always in the relationship. This is why it's so important that you keep cultivating your life, that you keep bigging your life up, filling it with stuff that lights you up so you've got somewhere to go. I think uh, I might have said this on TikTok, but the thing is a lot of people will date because they're trying to fill a void. They're trying to feel something that's empty inside them. It could be loneliness. It could be they feel unlovable. It could be that they're bored. It could be that they're hurting from past heartbreak. And the thing is that if you date with a void, then yes, someone is going to fill it, but it's not a healthy fill of that void. And they will go away as well. So they can fill the void and they can uh, um, they can leave the void as well, which leaves you spinning even more. If you, I'm going to carry on with a couple of things and then start to wrap this up. If you can't ask for what you need in relationships, Again, that's a learned behavior. And I believe this is seeped in patriarchy that women have been taught that when, <laughs> here it is, that we're high maintenance or we want too much um, or we're needy when we ask for what we want. You want to be with someone that listens to what you want and you can have, I always say it's a playful negotiation. If someone gaslights you or says you're needy or you want too much, it's a red flag. Again, it's a red flag. You always want to be able to discuss what you want, what you need with a partner and find uh, a negotiation, a resolution that works for, it might not work for both of you. There might be a little bit of compromise in that as well. And that's what relationships, healthy relationships is all about. It's about that kind of ebb and flow and the compromise. Um, if you find that you cannot, the amount of women that say this that come into my world, that you cannot do conflict, that you either, and you get a trauma response from it, you fight, get all defensive, you flight, you, you like, you fuck, you're out of there, you slam doors, you freeze, you literally like oh, clam up, you have no idea what to do, you've got work to do. And we'll talk about that in a future episode. And it's, first of all, I would say get really curious about how you handle conflict, how you handle conflict. And it's not 
just down to you. It's down to your partner as well. And you, again, have to both be able to uh, be willing to be able to have a conversation around conflict. And conflict is not bad. It's not bad. Conflict is a sign of growth. It's asking for more movement, more expansion to happen in the relationship. You, I, everyone else has to get better at managing conflict. So what you're looking for as you go out into this world for more healthy, conscious love is you're looking for safety, you're looking for stability, you're looking for loyalty. I've got a list down here. So if you're on YouTube, you can see my eyes going. You're looking for trust. You're looking for someone who's awake on their personal growth journey. You're looking for someone who has been or is currently in therapy and is willing to go, willing to go to therapy. You're looking, <laughs> if I if I was on it, if I'm really honest with you, do you know what you want to be looking for? You want to be looking for someone who's got a secure attachment style and that they're both their parents are still together and they still have a great relationship. Now, that is, for me, that's the benchmark of a great person. I mean, it's not 99.99999% guarantee. Yet, when you have someone who is a secure attachment style, they're able to handle conflict, conflict, communication. They're able to handle everything way better than someone who is either anxious or avoidant. I told this little tip to my girlfriend and she married someone who is secure attachment and both parents are still together, happily married. <laughs> um, you want someone that is willing to have deep conversations, that is willing to navigate conflict. And none of this will be presented to you straight away. None of this will be presented to you straight away in dating and relationships. <laughs> I've mentioned the honeymoon period more than once. You've got you've to buckle up for that honeymoon period. And that is not real life. It's not real life life. You cannot base your decisions on the relationship on the honeymoon period. And you've got to, as a mature adult, as a high value queen slash king, stop believing words and look at their actions. Get really curious about their actions. Are their actions backing up their words? Anyone and everyone can tell you a load of bullshit and tell you what you want to hear. It does not matter. You're looking for actions to back that up. Now, I'm going to leave you with some tips. There are already some tips in this. So for you to go away and play with, uh, get really curious about your attachment style. But please don't label yourself. Just go, oh, that's really interesting. I've got those traits in me. Ah, oh, I wonder why, why that is. And then use maybe that as a springboard to go back into your childhood and start to get really curious about how you found your initial sense of love and belonging, which you're taking into adulthood. When you're dating, when you're doing relationships, slow your roll. <laughs> like, slow down. What's the rush? What's the rush? And get really clear on what you want and who you are. And you're going to get clearer on who you are and what you want the more you date. <laughs> I love dating for this. Dating is, and relationships, the ultimate self-love, self-growth journey. If 
only if though you're taking time to come back out of it to, com to contemplate and reflect honor your past honor your past pay reverence to your past and know that your wounding's never going to go so i know i have to treat myself with extra special love care and attention when i go into any kind of relationships because it's really easy when i start when i fall asleep at the wheel of my life it's really easy for my inner child or my teen to come back out. So my inner child, she will be the one that's needy. She wants loads of attention. And then my inner teen is the one that goes, fuck it. I'm just going to fuck this motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk more about my hookup experience in um, a future episode. It's coming soon, actually. Um, what I've learned from hookups last year, I learned a lot about from it. I really do believe if you're new and you're back on the dating relationship field in midlife, your job is to go back out there in a little burst and navigate it. Go and find out what's happening out there. Go and find, make a fucking mess, make a sh like a shit show and then come back into your world and learn from it. Like, use it as information so the next time you go out, you do things differently. I love that way of dating. Uh, I've already told you, stop going out with the hot guys, stop or the hot girls as well, right? So stop going for the hottest people in the fucking room. They're going to fuck you over. I mean, if you just want a one-night stand, then fucking great. <laughs> I still... <laughs> I have to talk more about my hookups. In a, I'll talk soon. It's coming. It's coming. I believe as well, especially if you're anxious, attachment style, and if you're avoidant as well. I mean, I've I mean, I haven't mentioned avoidant, but I've been avoidant in relationships. Avoidant is you shut down. <laughs> My last husband was a stonewaller, uh, so he didn't talk. You clam up. Um, create a friendship first. What's wrong with being friends? Friends first, then lovers. You don't have to fancy someone straight away. You don't have to fancy someone straight away. It's like, can I have a friendship with this person? Because I tell you what, the love, the sex, the shebang doesn't last. Watch for the, watch for the fast burns as well. The faster the burn at the beginning of that relationship, the quicker it's going to go die down. I already said dip in and out of, dip in. Oh, excuse me. My mouth is going funny. Dip in and out of dating. Learn from your mistakes. Recalibrate. Your job is always to tune into your emotions, your body. And for you, especially if you're a person who gets enmeshed in relationships, for you to exit out, come back into your world, which hopefully you're filling with all these things that you love, that light you up. So you, it doesn't feel like you're going back into a void when you go back into your life. Your life is full. It's like, oh, my God, this is my life. I can't believe this is my life. So then the person you're dating doesn't become the cake they become the sprinkle on top of the cherry on the cake you know you don't need them you want them that's a good way to think um so yeah your job is to always tune back into yourself and ask yourself what do i want and definitely if you're new to dating date more than one person at the beginning date more than one person it's really really important um I felt like I was going to say something else spectacular there. 
but I've completely forgotten it. So let's wrap this up. Thank you very much for listening. If you've got any thoughts, any questions, any comments, then please leave them. You can leave them underneath my YouTube video. Um, and I will reply. And if you want to learn more about how I work, the services I offer, hop, skip, jump to datinginmidlife.com. What a good website, eh? What a good website. Again, thank you for your time. And I will see you on the next episode. Bye-bye.